Good morning, good morning. And of course, today's date is October the 2nd, 2019. And we're so happy that you've tuned in to WAMJ with your host, Janice. And we have two very um, important guests on our show on today. And of course, we have attorney Niles Hamer, who's running uh, in the Baton Rouge area for juvenile court judge. And we have the Honorable Patricia Smith, who's our state representative in District 67, but she's running for Senate here in District 14. And we're so happy to have both of them on this morning. So as we get started, of course, I want to get started with a prayer always. Be with me today, O Lord. May all I do today begin with you, O Lord. Plant dreams and hopes within my soul. Revive my tired spirit and be with me today. May all I do today continue with your help. Be at my side and walk with me. Be my support today. I have a mission. I am a link in a chain a bond of connection between persons. God has not created me for naught, nor has he created you for naught. Therefore, I will trust him. Whatever, wherever I am, I nor you can ever be thrown away. God does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. And that's excerpts from the prayer. And the author is J.H. Newman. So we're going to get started on today, and I'm really, really excited. And um, if any of our uh, listeners would like to call in, please call 888-627-6008 to interact and talk with our uh, two guests, Attorney Niles Hamer and the Honorable Patricia Smith, who are both candidates for upcoming elections. And I just want to say before they come on that early voting started September 28th here in the Baton Rouge area or Louisiana and uh, through October 5th. And I say it like that because um, we're basically heard not just in Louisiana, but in other states. Uh, Election day is October 12th, 2019. Please get out and vote your vote counts. The vote is sacred. We need you to get out and vote. So we're going to have our first guest, um, Mr. Niles Hamer. And what I would like to do is to have him to basically tell us a little bit about him so that himself so that we can um, get right into questions and all of that as a candidate. And then we will have Miss um, Pat, the Honorable Pat. Smith to introduce herself to our audience. All right, we're ready. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning, Miss Janice. This is uh, Niles Hamer. I am running for East Baton Rouge Parish Juvenile Court Judge. And in Louisiana, we have parishes. We don't have counties. So I'm running for a parish seat. And it's a district in the parish. It's half of the parish. I'm 41 years old, and I've been practicing here in the Baton Rouge area for the last 16 years. And juvenile court really deals with uh, children 17 years old and under. 
In juvenile court, we handle delinquency matters. That's where children have been charged with the crime. We handle truancy matters uh, between uh, dealing with the parents and the child. Juvenile traffic matters when that child of yours just does not know how to uh, slow down at a red light and stop and he decides to run through. We deal with juvenile traffic matters. Uh, we deal with child welfare cases, which are, are, are sometimes very emotionally charged when you're dealing with children that may have been neglected or abused. And then we deal with what I say is my most rewarding work, which is adoptions. Uh, we do all of that in juvenile court. I've, I've practiced for 16 years in juvenile court doing juvenile justice, and I I actually have done it at no charge to the children and families that I've represented. I was in wow. law school at, I know, at Southern University back in 2003, and I took a, a, a course that allowed for third-year students to practice in juvenile court. And I was headed to corporate America. I wanted to make some money, make my mom proud. But when I took the course dealing with uh, young kids who have committed crimes, and I, I was taught to go in the court and represent them through supervision, I realized that the kids were missing something that I had when I was a kid. See, I grew up in a single-parent household. My mom raised three boys on her own. My dad couldn't be a part of the family because he had a serious drug addiction. So it was so hard for us coming up. I acted out. I had behavioral problems. I had a little anger because I didn't know why my dad could be a part of our lives. But I had something that the kids that I realized today they didn't have and they don't have. I had a village. I had my mom to tell me that I was very special. I had a pastor that told me I had leadership skills. I had track coach that told me to stay away uh, from the hoodlums and I can do so much better than that. And my village kept me on the right course. Well, unfortunately, I realized today that some of those kids just did not have a village. And there, you know that. Yeah, let me stop you, know you for just a moment, yes, Mr. Hamer. Look, that is so interesting because a lot of our uh, children and youth today, uh, it's almost like weeds growing up. They have no one tending to the garden. Yes. And, and it's like you the, have yes, made you a difference. And I, you just have a beautiful family, your family, your Thank wife, you. your <laughs> children. I mean, I just love to see uh, you all together. I want you to, um, if you let our uh, audience know um, or continue the story about well, the village uh, and yeah. you being from a single parent household and how you became what you are today, because you make me proud. Yes, and, and it's, it's hard for a, a single parent to raise children with all the temptations and distractions of this world. And my mom raised three African-American boys, and it, it, it was not easy. And I could have easily been led astray, but my village kept me in order. The children today don't have the same village. When I was growing up, Ms. Jenkins down the street could discipline me, and then when my mom got home, she would discipline me. But in today's society, if Ms. Jenkins down the street put her nose in somebody's business, the cops could be called, she could be sued, a lot could happen. We're just not where we were uh, 30 years ago today. Our, our village has essentially been fractured. So, you know, I'm running because I feel like I can be a positive role model for the children that come before me. Uh, more than 85%, a little less than 86% of the children that go through juvenile court 
are African-American boys. I want to be that positive role model, being an African-American who struggled, who went to college, who went to law school, who hopefully has made his mom proud. I want to be that role model for them to show them that it does not have to, uh, you don't have to rely on uh, Joe Blow on the corner as your motivation. You have positive role models in your communities, doctors, lawyers, teachers, judges, that can steer you in the right direction, and that's my goal. Oh, that's wonderful. And um, like I said earlier, it just makes me proud because you are a young African-American professional and uh, the family is so important in having the support of other people. And uh, when I was reading through some of your information on yesterday, you indicated that every case is personal. Can you just elaborate on that for just a moment? Yes, and every case is personal uh, in my practice, and in, in the juvenile justice system, it's so personal that I, I, I hadn't charged the families to represent them because that's how passionate I am about getting these kids on the right path. And I have three kids of my own that you, you mentioned before. I have two nine-year-old boy, boy-girl twins, and I have one seven-year-old. I've been married for 13 years to my wife. And when I decided to run for juvenile court judge, I realized I looked in my kids' eyes and I realized I was running for their future, but also the future of the kids in the Baton Rouge community. It is so important that we invest in our juvenile court. We all have a stake in our juvenile court because if we don't steer our kids on the right path while they are young, then we wonder why we have this this rise in crime and all these uh, people aren't working and relying on the government for care and we're not doing what I believe a true village could do on the juvenile level. And that's why I want to bring to our court more community-based organizations, more faith-based organizations to pitch in to help rear our kids. I don't believe juvenile court is responsible for raising your children, but I do believe our court has a, a role to play in steering our kids on the right path. So they're, all my cases, when I'm dealing with the youth, they're all personal to me, and I'm, all, I'm passionate about every last one of them. Well, I'm so grateful that you decided to run. And, of course, um, I'm asking uh, our community to please get out and support and vote for Mr. Niles Hamer. And, of course, he's on the front line in the fight for social justice for all families. One um He's concerned about our children, and he's concerned about our, their future. If you have uh, or would like to join in, please don't forget to call in to 888-627-6008. We're live on WAMJ Digital Broadcasting with your host, Janice. And, of course, I want to let you know um, that also we're heard on many, many of the uh, platforms through um, BBS Radio. And thank you for listening and tuning in. And I want, um, stay right there, Mr. Hamer. And um, we're going to uh, allow Honorable Patricia Smith to introduce herself and get out and vote, please. Get out and vote. Miss Patricia Smith, you can introduce yourself. 
Thank you. Uh, good morning, and thank you, uh, Julie, for ha- having us on the show this morning. Niles and I go to the same church, so we're friends. Um, <laughs> and I didn't know that. <laughs> How about that? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I am uh, Patricia Haynes-Smith, currently serving as the state representative for District 67 in East Baton Rouge Parish, and I have been now in the legislature for 12 years. And, of course, we have this ugly worm called term limits. And so I'm term limited out of the House and running for the Senate. But I've had a very long service record, servant leader record uh, in East Baton Rouge Parish because I served on the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board for 13 years before moving to uh, run for the legislature in 2007. But since I've been in the legislature, my bills and my service have been quite diverse. Uh, I started off, uh, of course, with the general administration and was a strong, strong voice for uh, criminal justice reform during that period of time when it wasn't really popular to even do criminal justice reform. And, of course, as a former teacher and a former school board member, I had education on uh, the top of my list for trying to make sure that we made changes in, uh, and kept uh, education top of mind for people in the state of Louisiana. So um, I'm very strong on traditional public education. Uh, of course, during the gender administration, we did have some very interesting bills to come about. One in particular was uh, the fact that uh, he, he was he was told that we had too many four-year universities. So they chose to look at Southern University, which is the only HBCU system in the country that's historically black college university in the in the country and. That means that they have more than one or two four-year schools. So they put in a bill to actually merge Southern University with uh, University of New Orleans uh, in New Orleans. And we we had a fight on our hands. But I was chair of the Black Caucus at the time and walked the floor every day to hold a a part, not a partisan, but a bipartisan uh, group of individuals to not have that merger occur. And we fought off that merger. They could not even bring it to the floor for a vote. So I always say that, you know, during that period of time, I saved Southern University as the uh, HBCU system, only HBCU system in the country. I passed a lot of education bills, and I, I lost a lot of education bills. But our present governor and I actually served on the education committee together when the reforms came in for education. And uh, we were trying to balance what they were doing in those reforms. That's when the charters and vouchers came in. But the, the state had become a, a hotbed of parental choice, and uh, we were not able to get a lot of things changed to balance that out. Uh, the, the charter law, in, in my opinion, uh, right now still isn't being followed because it was supposed to be replication of good, innovative educational opportunities for kids where they they do it in an experimental system uh, under the charter's charter schools, and they replicate those uh, innovations in uh, traditional schools. That hasn't happened at, since charters have been in existence. So we're still uh, just really opening schools and allowing people to leave our traditional schools, which I think is almost as if we're trying to demise the entire t- traditional public school system as we know it. Uh, I have, um, I've, I'm a domestic, vi- uh, so, um, domestic violence survivor, and this is Domestic Violence Month. Uh, so uh, we celebrate the fact that, you know, uh, we are able to get many people out of the situation of domestic violence. But we also uh, memorialize those individuals who have lost their lives during domestic violence disputes. 
But uh, I have been able to pass many bills regarding domestic violence, including uh, abuse to dating partners, uh, stalking bills, uh, being able to get guns out of homes uh, when there's a temporary restraining order going on for stalking. Uh, and we also I had another bill I supported where we not we can now take guns from a, a home of an individual who has been charged with domestic abuse, and the sheriffs have the right to go in and remove those weapons from um, uh, those homes. Uh, I was also uh, interested in doing bills on um, gun control, so I introduced a bill to uh, stop uh, the elimination or stop the use of bump stocks in Louisiana, which was used in the Nevada killing. Uh, and, of course, NRA and all those uh, gun enthusiasts came out in full force, and we weren't able to pass that bill. But the next year, the Department of Justice uh, did come out, and now we now have no bump stocks that are supposed to be sold in the, in, uh, the United States. They're, they've eliminated the use of those, which is a, a, uh, a mechanism that changes just an ordinary gun into a semi-automatic weapon. I'm also very much in favor of getting us, uh, to have very strong, reasonable, and sensible gun control, and um, I'm for universal background checks. But I'm also uh, at the point where I think we need to distinguish between a person who has a mental uh, situation and those who are just domestic terrorists, because that's where we have to exactly. draw the line. A person, uh, if a person is just going out killing people just to, for the reason of killing them, we we can't always say that they're mental. You know, we have to look at what their actual their livelihood has been. And the reasons that they've done this, and we've had a, no, a lot of domestic terrorists to go into our schools and to kill people, and they have not had mental problems. So we've got to be careful um, when we uh, use that term that, uh, that people who do uh, these mass shootings are all have mental situations, and they don't all have that. So I'm looking at reasonable and sensible gun control. Uh, I'm also for uh, for having minimum wage hikes, uh, which we fought for since I've been in the legislature. Also, equal pay for women, because we literally don't make a whole lot of money uh, compared to men. In Baton Rouge, in fact, it's 67 cents on a dollar compared to a man. And most of female head of households are working two and three jobs in order to make it. I support Medicaid expansion, where we have almost a 400, over 500, almost 500,000 individuals right now who have health care in Louisiana. And we've had some very strong debates on whether we should continue Medicaid expansion, because it does have a cost. But the cost, even more so, is that we've had more people who could not go to the doctor, who have died, who did not have cancer uh, diagnosed for them uh, before we had Medicaid expansion. And we now have all of these things being ha taken care of for our families in Louisiana. And, of course, children are one of the highest numbers that we have on Medicaid in the state of Louisiana because we have one of the highest poverty rates in the country. And we've got to That's do something exactly to eliminate right. poverty. So well, uh, poverty is also on my mind, yes. Well, Miss um, Pat, I mean, I've watched you at the legislature. And um, you're always kind and polite when people come up to uh, ask you questions or even me myself. I need a hug for today. And you <laughs> give it out freely. And so I know you care about uh, our community here in East Baton Rouge Parish um, in the state of Louisiana. One thing you yeah. did say, you talked about uh, education and uh, not necessarily being pro-charter because I know I'm not pro-charter myself. 
because I do believe that what you just said, that they're trying to, it looks like the goal or the focus is to um, eliminate or eradicate the whole public school system as we know of it from the past. Yeah. And that scares me. And I don't know if you can elaborate on that just a little bit because I pulled the article from um, September 30th where you and uh, Cleo Fields were at the press club. And um, I really like what you uh, stated and on that particular issue regarding um, education and regarding uh, charter. So I want you to just elaborate for our audience um, sure. on that issue. Sure. As, as I mentioned, you know, we've become this uh, state that really pushes pro-choice. And I don't have a problem with pro-choice, but I have a problem when we're uh, putting pro-choice ahead of eliminating and, and trying to eliminate traditional public schools. Because if you continue on the path that we're on, uh, what we do in our school systems across the state, and not all not all parishes have charter schools. That's interesting as well, because charters don't go to certain areas uh, where they don't feel they can flourish, uh, <laughs> and that's really in our rural areas and what have you. They don't go into to those areas. But the most important thing is looking at where uh, charters are actually being located. Yes, we have problems with many of our schools, our traditional schools, that are failing schools. But we fail our schools based on a flawed accountability plan. And I say it's flawed because of the fact that today, today's accountability plan is not the same accountability plan we came up with when we first put it in. It has been changed over seven times since being put in. That means we have no data to tell us what was working over the period of time that we had a, uh, a system in place. And people will tell you today, in fact, Paul Pastorick and John White and others have said that we grade our schools on a grade level situation like A through F. Well, an A school really is not an A school because it's graded on a curve. So we're hmm. curving our, our, our school performance score or the letter grade for that school based on a curve and don't even know whether or not all the kids in that school really deserve that, or that school deserves that A allocation. That means that an F may not even be an F. It could be something else. So the problem is we did not put enough money, and I say money, resources, not only just dollars, but resources, into ensuring that schools that were failing did not fail. For instance, we have schools that have children who go to school the first day with a substitute teacher. Why is that? Because we have people that don't want to go and teach in certain schools. Well, we've got to begin to grow the people into uh, the educational discipline and make, make sure that they are willing to go to teach anywhere. Because if you say you're a teacher, it doesn't matter the school you go to because you're supposed to have the expertise and knowledge to be able to move a child from level A or level B to level A. And, exactly. and that's what's unfortunate. So, so we're putting in charter schools. We were depleting money from our traditional schools where they say the money's following the child. But we never get a chance to really close a public school because of that, because of the fact that economies of scale will leave a school with a principal and maybe over two to 300 kids in that school when you've just taken five out of one class, five out of another class. So it really isn't a fair system. 
Uh, and uh, I do not like for-profit charters at all because they come in, they bring their money in, they do what they need to do, they take their money back before they even do anything else for the kids. We've got yeah. a flawed system in place, and we've got to fix it. But we can't fix it by determining that traditional public schools aren't workable for kids who and parents who want to send their kids to those schools. And we've got to, we've got to look across the country, uh, Julie, as well. There are school systems across the country that have the same urban demographics that we have, that don't have a charter, that don't have vouchers, and why are they doing so well? On that note, which is powerful, <laughs> please call in 888-627-6008. Again, call in to join the conversation, 888-627-6008, with our guest, Attorney Niles Hamer, who's running for juvenile court judge. Get out and vote and support him. And for Senate seat District 14, the Honorable Representative Patricia Smith is running for that seat, and she has a long history of working with the people and for the people. And um, on that note, we're going to take a brief break, and we're going to come right back after about a two-minute break. Talk Radio with your host, Janice, and our guest on today is Attorney Niles Hamer, running for juvenile court judge, and our state representative for District 67, the Honorable Patricia Smith. Please get out and vote, and I want to uh, mention again, someone told me, you're mentioning it too much, but the early voting ends on October 5th. Election day yes, is October 12th, 2019. Get out and vote. I'm asking you to please get out and vote and support um, our two candidates on today because they have a vested interest in the community in which we live here in the state of Louisiana and in the parish of East Baton Rouge. I'd also like to uh, say for my highlight moment today, if you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. And that's by Maya Angelou. We're asking our guests to please call in at 888-627-6008. If you hear us, please call in and interact with our guests on today. And Mr. Hamer, is there anything else that you'd like to say um, and getting your pitch out there today. <laughs> well, well, yeah. There, like I stated before, I believe juvenile court is the most important court in the state of Louisiana because we're dealing with our future. But there's a lot of things that we can do differently in juvenile court. I am in no way will ever be called the status quo. I believe in changing things up a little bit, even with the, the, the name of juvenile court. I want to start a work program, but just imagine how many employers would be uh, attempting to hire kids out of a juvenile work program. Now, if the name of the program was a youth work program, the employers would be lined up. So we got to think about how we treat our kids. I think the, the, just the title juvenile brings about a negative uh, stigma to our children. Uh, I believe it should be the Youth Justice Court. I believe we need a new Youth Justice Court. 
court here in Baton Rouge. Our our court is by the airport, and when visitors are coming in, they land and they see this juvenile detention center with barbed wire, wires all over the place. And <laughs> That's a, true. A whole dilapidated <laughs> building. It, it's so unattractive, and and I tell people. If you Google East Baton Rouge Parish, which is the parish that the city of Baton Rouge is in, the first thing that will pop up, you would think it would be maybe some crawfish or something. First thing that pops up <laughs> is our parish. <laughs> so we, we really have to think about how we are looking to people on the outside. When they come into right. our, our city, they see our juvenile detention center, they see a sign saying, uh, down this way is the parish prison. It's very, very right. inviting. So there's some things I think we can do uh, working with the legislator to kind of change uh, the, the negative connotation of juvenile court and also change our image uh, to other uh, visitors where when you, you Google East Baton Rouge Parish, the prison wouldn't be the first thing that pops up anymore. So we got some things that we can work on. But as juvenile court judge, I will, I will be uh, talking talking to legislators about more money invested into our court system and, and the possibility of changing the names of our courts from juvenile court to youth justice courts because juvenile, like so I said, much is too better. negative. Yeah, it that sounds, sounds so much better. Um, I also wanted to, um, you were talking about having a work program for uh, the youth and uh, what... I guess would be almost in comparison to what goes on maybe in some of our parish prisons. Um, well, it will be different from that because in our parish prisons, they may have work release programs. These would be programs, uh, our youth work program, a kid who hasn't been accused of a crime of violence, who needs to learn a trade, needs to learn some type of skill. Uh, exactly. Needs to learn how a business is run. Because when I was 16, I wanted a job so I can buy a car. I wanted a car, but I needed a license, so I wanted to get a license. And then I wanted all of that just to impress a girl. Today's children, they want the money without the job. They want the car without the license, and they want the girl without any of the above. And I think we kind of lost our way. So I want to show the kids how a business is run. I want to show the kids how they can earn money because once you start earning money, you realize how hard people work for the things that they buy. And you're not going to be out there uh, with these little property crimes where you're pulling on doors, taking whatever you can out of glove compartments. When you realize, okay, people work hard for that iPad that I just took out of the car. So I think a work program helps keep our kids off the streets, helps us, uh, interfere with the, the, the guy on the corner selling drugs who is constantly recruiting our young men to be a part of his operation. So I want to be a bigger recruiter than the local drug dealer. And I think the juvenile court can be set up where we can help kids in the youth work program. So that's one of my goals. And also a, a youth uh, drug court. I believe kids who have substance abuse issues, it starts very early. Once they become adults, it, it, it just goes out of control. And I believe in dealing with the problem while they're young. And we used to have a youth drug court, but it, it kind of fell apart. I do want to bring that back to our, our, our youth justice system. I'm going to go ahead and start calling it the youth justice system. Well, youth justice system. I like that term. But tell me yeah. this. How did the, um, uh, for our audience, you say it kind of fell apart when you were talking about the youth uh, uh 
court that we had here in East Baton Rouge? Well, it's all about uh, finances. And unfortunately for us here in East Baton Rouge Parish, we are the most populous parish in the state of Louisiana. We only have two juvenile court judges. In Caddo Parish, which is where Shreveport, Louisiana is, in Jefferson Parish, which is outside of New Orleans, Metairie and Kenner, and in Orleans Parish, New Orleans, they have four juvenile court judges each. So here in East Baton Rouge Parish, we don't even have the the number of judges they have in other parishes. And it's it's financial. Uh, If you talk to people, they just don't have money in the budget to invest the necessary funds needed into our, our youth justice system, which is unfortunate because I believe that the youth should be top priority. Our youth drug court should be top priority to make sure we have enough juvenile court judges to hear all the cases in this most populous parish should be top priority over any other court in the state of Louisiana. So I, I plan on giving the recognition to our our youth justice system uh, through talking to the legislator, through talking to the community. I think this campaign has brought about an inspiration that people are really realizing that we do need to change the status quo and we do need to invest in our, our juvenile justice system. And I'm, I'm quite proud of that. I had not been elected to office yet, but I, I can take pride in what this campaign has been able to accomplish, just starting a conversation that has never been had in this in this uh, community. The justice, juvenile justice court. Um, You know, it doesn't sound um, like uh, we're throwing people away, but we're helping our youth to become better. And one thing that always bothered me, and and maybe you or Ms. Pat can elaborate on this, is we put our children uh, who may have committed some uh, petty uh, crimes or something like that. You put them in an environment, you lock them up, their behavior doesn't get better. It actually gets worse by the time that they get out because they've learned negative things, maybe from some of those other people, as opposed to being introduced to um, programs like you're talking about that lead into a career path uh, like being introduced to aeronautics, being introduced to um, welding, being introduced. And so they can determine what they'd like to do to be a productive citizen in society. And if you and Ms. Pat can join in with that. Okay, go on. Mr. Hamer? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I, I was going to allow Ms. Pat to elaborate first since I did a lot of talking not too long. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, uh, we were able to change the age, of course, for um, young people who are 17-year-olds to remain in the juvenile system, which we had a lot of pushback from. They did not, uh, the law enforcement didn't want that to happen uh, because we were putting our 17-year-olds into adult prison. So we're able to make that change and push them back into the juvenile system. But but you're right. We've got to change the climate of the juvenile system. We've changed the climate of our adult jails and prisons. Well, not the jails so much, but the prisons for sure. Because now we're offering the opportunity for training. We're offering the opportunities for them getting their GED or other, uh, even some getting college degrees. 
So what we need to do is change that dynamic. And Niles is one that I believe can help that because I'm supporting him. Uh, will be able to help that along. You know, it is considered a school uh, because they get their monies from the school system for the MFP for those students who have not gotten a GED or taken the ISEP. So we've got, but in changing that dynamic, we also got to include jumpstart programs in uh, the juvenile detention program, uh, because those students who are there ought to be learning a trade of some kind if they don't want to go on to college, just like we're trying to do in our high schools. And you're right, you know, oftentimes they get involved with others who are there who may be uh, bad actors, but you've got to have good people working in JD, juvenile detention, or what do you call that now? What's the name of it? Juvenile youth, the youth, the, the new name that you want to call it is a great name. Oh, the Youth Justice Center. <laughs> the Youth Justice youth Center. Justice I think that's a great Center. name and a great change that should yeah. happen because it does. Anytime you put a label on something, it really does in a, uh, inundate that mind and the, and the purview of the person that's there. So if it is the Youth Justice System, you. Kids are going to start looking and parents are going to start looking for justice rather than being detained just because they are detained. Uh, exactly. I agree. So I, I think agree. that's a great idea, great idea of changing the name. But, but again, because it is part of a school system for those who are at the age of school age, they're supposed to be being taught uh, and having classes there and being able to get a high step, take the high step for GED. But uh, the training for jobs is so critically important because yes. right now in our high schools we're able to train our kids to go on to either two-year or four-year college but some can get jobs under the jumpstart program right after they leave high school the dynamic truly has to change in the youth justice system yeah yeah we do have a broken system and it has to be better and i'm just loving it mr hamer the youth justice center um well, you're going to be our next juvenile court judge. Uh, we were already claiming that. I'm claiming it, too. <laughs> and, Miss Pat, uh, yeah. when I, um, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm voting for you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you for saying that. I love that. Thank you so much. <laughs> and you know why? Because... Um, I believe that you work so hard and that you're genuine and that you're authentic. And um, I was just surprised. I said, how does this lady have enough time? I didn't realize you had six children <laughs> and well, a slew of grandchildren. Uh, and and, and yeah. um, so I'm highly <laughs> impressed. Yeah, well, our kids are, it's a, it's a blended family. Uh, it's my second marriage. And, of course, my second marriage now is on its almost over, it's over 30 years. We got married in 87. So uh, <laughs> I've had a great second marriage. <laughs> no kids from that, just the grandkids and the great grands. But, uh, but I have a husband that really supports me. Uh, of course, he's having a little health issue right now. And I uh, ask everybody to pray for him. He had open heart surgery, which is totally unexpected. But uh, yeah. definitely um, really supportive in what I, what I do because uh, he knows that I have a passion to want to see change and to see quality of life for people, uh, to have them be able to have good jobs, to have good education, to be able to do the things that, you know, I know that I want to see my own kids do and Niles wants to see his kids do. So uh, my, that, that's always been my whole uh, modus of operandum, that it's been for children, it's been for people, and I just say that I'm the 
I want to be the senator for the people, just like I've been the representative for the people. But, you know, you talked about that one aha thing that really happened, and I, I didn't touch upon it in my intro, but when I passed that voting bill for felons to vote, that was the most inspiring thing that I think I could have ever done because it took me so long to get the bill out of committee and then to finally get it to the floor for a vote and get and to get it passed. You know, there are people in the state of Louisiana who have what I call life parole. And that means that they got out of prison after serving a certain period of years. And I'll take one, for instance, Mr. Chico Yancey, who was the face of the bill. He had been out of prison for 16 years, but he was on parole as a felon. His parole date ends on 2056. The law in Louisiana says that if you're on parole, the only way to get your right to vote back on probation is that you have to finish your parole or probation before you can go back and ask for your right to vote back. Well, here you have a set of individuals in the state of Louisiana who would die and who have died because they could not get their right to vote back while they were living. That man is 60, over 60 years old, so he would have never gotten the right to vote. And there were many others who uh, I met under the same uh, this, um, conditions. So that bill really impacted a lot of folk who are on parole and now still on parole, working, paying taxes, and they're able to vote. And he voted the first time on Monday, and it was, he said after 50, almost 40 years, uh, he was able to vote. And he was so proud that uh, he got that right to vote on um, on Monday. Uh, so I'm, I'm just elated that we have a group of people now who no longer have to feel disenfranchised from being a citizen. Because That's citizenry fantastic. means that you really have the right to take care of yourself, but also to put in place people to represent you that you vote for. And so now we have these individuals who are felons who've been out of prison for five years who can now say that they are true citizens in the state of Louisiana. Fantastic, um, Representative Smith. I know you've worked so hard, and um, that vote, having the right to vote is sacred. And so many yeah. people died uh, to allow us to be able to get to this point, especially, you know, us uh, African-Americans and I'm going to tell you, um, starting off this show, I wanted to focus in on uh, African-Americans and other minorities because so many others have wide platforms that we usually may or may not have the opportunity to be a part of. Um, I know when, uh, based on the advocate and the article that... um, Will Centel, a staff writer for The Advocate, uh, wrote, um, Ms. Smith, and talked about integrity and having yeah. never sold your people out. Right. And I want you to elaborate um, on that. That, that, that. That's very, very true. And I thought about it because somebody reminded me of something that I didn't say at that uh, particular forum, and I want to say it now. And I hope that when this is streamed out, people will recognize it. When I say, you know, the integrity of never selling people out, it means that you don't make deals with people or you don't support people that truly sell our people out, that sell our people out. And unfortunately, my opponent has actually supported Jeff Landry uh, in his bid for um, 
attorney general in the state. Jeff Landry has been never has never been for African Americans to me getting justice. And so to say that you put a ballot out with his name on it really is disheartening because of the fact of the way he handled the Alton Sterling case. You know, I was on a picket line, uh, not on a protest line, not picket line, but protest line, <laughs> locked arms with people when we protested against the uh, Elton Sterling uh, uh, murder. So I was out there for the people at that time. Never saw my opponent one time. But the point is that when the case was turned over to the attorney general, he withheld the video. He also withheld it for two whole years. Without before he came to a conclusion, but my opponent supports this man. That that to me Sad. is what I mean by integrity and never selling your people out. And I had my my tip for tats with Jeff Landry in the legislature over budget and the things that he was doing because one of the things that he did as a AG was to use HUD money to buy things that would promote his office with his name on it, money that was supposed to go to people for housing complaints. And so nobody brought that to issue except me in a con- in a conversation an appropriations to say that why did you do that and what did you do and who gave you the uh, the ability to do that that's selling our people out so I would never do that I would never let somebody just go by and once they've done it think that they've gotten away with it without saying something yeah I may not be able to stop you but I'll sure may have something to say about it. Well, you can because you're doing the hard work, Miss Pat, of running for senator in District 14, and we need you. And I'm asking people to please get out and vote and support um, Patricia Smith for our next senator in District 14. It's very, very important. Please get out there because integrity means everything, and we know. Uh, that people sell us out all the time who look like me, and I'm an African-American woman. Um, But sometimes we get sold out by our own, and that has to stop. It has to stop. Um, It can't be for money. And as Steve Harvey said, uh, this a money game. Well, no, it's not a money (laughs) game. And Monique said, it's an integrity game. Exactly, yeah. So there's a vast difference and very important. We're about to come to a close on our show, and I want to invite anyone who in the audience or within our listening area to please call in to 888-627-6008, 6008. If you have any questions or if you'd like to join in the conversation before we bring our show to a close. Well, I am so, we don't have anybody calling in at this time, but I want to say to Miss Pat, running for District 14 as our next senator. Please get out and support her and vote for her. I'm asking our audience to please get out and vote for Attorney Niles Hamer, our next juvenile, I'm not going to say court judge. I'm going to say, <laughs> if it's okay, uh, he's going to be uh, one of our heads. He's going to be the judge for the Juvenile Justice Center. 
and yeah, um, Youth Justice Center. Youth Justice right. Center. Let me make sure I get that right. The Youth Justice Center and uh, to be our next mover and shaker to bring forward uh, the changes that we need in the 21st century because uh, we're stuck. And yeah. we have to be proactive in making the changes that need to occur. I'm going to ask my guests to um, say whatever you'd like to say uh, prior to closing. Okay. Well, okay. I, I do want gonna... I do want the uh, community to know uh, election day is October the twelfth, and Southern University has a home game against Fairview, and LSU has a home game. Their homecoming versus University of Florida. So it's very important that we go out and early vote. Early voting is going on until October the 5th, which is Saturday. You have until Saturday to early vote. I'd rather for you to early vote than to wait until October the 12th and say, I'll do it on election day. I don't know how the weather would be. I don't know if you're going to end up on somebody's campus tailgating. I'd just rather do it when you have the opportunity. There's no need to wait when you can do it today. So go out and early vote. Use your power. Now, when you do vote, I want you to vote for number 108 on your ballot, which is Niles Hamer. I am running for East Baton Rouge Parish Juvenile Court Judge. I'm running for our children, our community, and our future. And I thank you for your uh, prayers and your support. And thank you, Ms. Janice, for having me on today. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Hamer. Please get out and vote. And Ms. Pat? Yes, and I'm not, I, I guess I really need to repeat it because it's important to be repeated that uh Yes, Election Day is October 12th. Uh, I'm Patricia Haynes-Smith, number 65 on the ballot. I'm praying that you will definitely give me your support and your vote when you go to early vote because it ends on this Saturday. It began on, on the 28th and ends on the uh, 5th of October. Make sure that you go and pull that lever for me. Uh, and if you're not, as, as Niles has already said, you've got two home games, critical home games, uh, uh, at, on our campuses, and we really need people to go in early vote. Now that's, and I guess that's why we've had a record-setting early vote uh, record so far. I understand lots of people have been early voting. But the most important thing is to, when you go early vote, make sure you recognize the candidates and recognize what they stand for. Because as, as I have said all along, I have a record. I've, been, I've made that record for 12 years. I didn't sit out between the school board and, uh, and running for the uh, office of uh, legislature. I've always been busy out there working for the people, whether it's at work at LSU or even when I worked at Exxon. So the most important thing is I have been a people person, and I'm going to be a people senator, and I will be the senator for the people just as I've been the representative for the people. And that's number 65 on your ballot. Please make sure you go vote, not only early vote, but on October 12th. And thank you for the time for having us on the show today. It really was a great conversation. Thank you both so very much. Please get out and vote. Please get out and vote. Number 65 for our next senator, the Honorable Patricia Smith. Please get out and vote and support her, please. If you can hold up a sign, if you can donate money, please do it. It's not too late. Please do it. Um, any help that they can get, 
they would highly appreciate it. Also, vote number 108, Mr. Niles Hamer. Um, he's going to be our next juvenile court judge. And um, we just appreciate you all agreeing to come on our show on today. And remember that on tomorrow, we were live today, but on tomorrow, which is Thursday, we will have, um, uh, it will be on podcast, which will be streaming over 100 networks. So please tell your friends, tell your family to look in to, um, so they can hear what you all had to say in the positions that you took. And I believe that you're both authentic and that you're both genuine and have a heart for the people. And that's what we need. Uh, so many people uh, want to be in the political arena and their heart, their focus is on money and that's it, not service. Because when a person is elected, they're to serve the people, not the people serve them. And so many get it wrong. And um, I'm so happy to know you both. And in closing, I'm just going to say um, my highlight moment in closing is constantly keep yourself headed in the right direction for you. It may not be easy at times, but in those times of struggle, you will find a stronger sense of who you are. So when the days come that are filled with frustration and unexpected responsibilities, remember to believe in yourself and all you want to be in life because the challenges and changes will only help you to find the goals that you know are meant to come true for you. Keep believing in yourself. Thank you, Attorney Niles Hamer. Thank you, our rep state representative for Louisiana, Patricia Smith. Go out and vote for number 65 and number 108. Thank you all so much for joining us on today. And um, that's it for our show on today. Next week, um, we will get to all the uh, uh, things that were on the agenda that we didn't get to today because I was so delighted to have them as guests on the show. Thank you all so much. And this is WAMJ Talk Radio, where your host is Janice. Mm -hmm.